0: So it is my happy privilege to invite you to extend a standard gateway welcome to our overseer, Richard Showalter.
1: Thanks for your welcome. And it's a real privilege to be with you this morning. This little clip from the REACH program we just saw it was a good reminder to me of, of where I've spent a lot of the last year, year and a half. Jewel and I have spent a lot of time in the Middle East in Turkey. We just, uh, we fellowship there with a little house fellowship last year. And then before I came back this year to spend some more time with that fellowship, they were able to purchase a property And this is one of the sort of the dreams of many house fellowships in Turkey to be able to have a place, a public place where you can gather. I was invited back to this little church. Um, They invited me back for baptism. And so we, you know, we baptized a number of people and that was neat. But in the middle of this transition from a house fellowship, a living room fellowship to a public meeting place. its just like that church got hit with a storm of, of problems, gossip and bitterness and anger and people leaving and people criticizing each other. Um, and so for the last three, four months, uh, when I'm there with that fellowship, a lot of my time I've just sort of spent listening to people and encouraging people to get together and talk with each other about what's on their heart. And uh, so we've experienced marvelous times of reconciliation, people coming back together again, people forgiving each other and asking forgiveness and things like that. But it's been really, really hard, not a lot of fun. And it just reminded me that um, people in every part of the world where, where, where we're kind of on the front line, so to speak, where people are coming to faith in Christ, new people are being baptized, we're sharing the gospel with our neighbors, we're, um, we're just living lives that Jesus intended us to live as the body of Christ, there's going to be a lot of um, counterattack from the dark side. The enemy uh, loves to try to destroy whatever God is at work building up. That's just the way we all are. And um, I just thought I'd say that because that's that's, uh, kind of... Reintroducing uh, myself uh, from it's been a while since I've been here. So, and Tim invited me to come back this morning and, and uh, share a word. I was really happy to come and to see you again. Jewel and I are living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for the last five months, almost five months now. We're taking care of her aged parents. While we were there, her mother passed away. And her dad celebrated his 100th birthday. So, you know, it's been an interesting season for us in walking with And Jewel, that has involved Jewel even more than me. So she's more housebound than I am. I've, you know, done things like spend weeks at a time in Turkey and in other places. And she's stayed right with her parents. We're living in the house where they lived for the last 50 years. But they're just getting ready to for Jewel's younger brother to move in, uh, and her father then will stay in the same home uh, with them that he's lived in for these many decades now. So that's a little bit of reintroduction. By the way, Jewel uh, sends her greetings to all of you. She's would love to have uh, uh, driven down from Lancaster, last evening with me to be with you today but just wasn't possible with what we're committed to there with her parents I would like this morning to and, and by the way I just was so blessed this morning in the uh, Sunday school class um, I, it, it, it to me I, it probably it may not feel to you all by now because you know Tim very well but for me it felt a little bit like you know, drinking from a fire hose, it was just good teaching, you know, sentence after sentence and concept after concept that blessed me and reminded me of things and helped me to see old things in new ways that uh, I'm grateful for. And so, you know, after sitting through that Sunday school class this morning, I thought, you Now, I don't know whether, you know, if, if I don't know whether you need to hear any more words in this uh, congregation or not. You probably have more than you can digest already. Uh, why should I add a few of mine to what's already been shared? But I did come prepared to, to say a few things. And so I'll do that in the next few minutes. I would like for somebody, because uh, it turned out after I got here, I realized that I brought my... Turkish Bible along and not my English, so I don't even have my English Bible with me. So, if someone will read from Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 9, and then from verses 15 um, to 17, just so 8 to 9 and 15 to 17, just a few verses from the very beginning of the scripture. I like to say a few things about uh, what we read here in the scripture. So I'm just going to bring the mic down to somebody who uh, would like to read these verses in English. I could translate, but it would take me a little bit. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then you said 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the lord god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die thanks a lot well this is close these words come close to the beginning of uh, of the bible the second chapter of genesis and uh, it's just a, a fascinating story of two trees which God put there in the center of the Garden of Eden. One of them was called the Tree of Life," and the other is called the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil." And um, you know, I've grew up in a Christian home. And uh, so I began reading the Bible regularly at a young age, and uh, so I read this scripture many, many times. But um, the tree of life was not so difficult to understand. So, um, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was always a lot harder for me. And so I just want to think together with you a little bit this morning about these two trees. Uh, because the Lord also planted these two trees uh, in my mind as as a young pastor, and the image of these two trees and the meaning, uh, and you know, I keep learning new things about them as I go along. That's the way uh, the Lord opens the Word to us. But the the image of these two trees has been one of the most sort of helpful. And stabilizing and revolutionary things for me that I've lived with through my lifetime. So I just felt this morning to share that with you. But let's think a little bit about the tree of life first. So, what's a tree of life? Well, it's really clear, isn't it? I mean, the Bible says that if 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 Adam and Eve would have eaten the fruit of the tree of life, they'd live forever. So, so it's the tree of Eternal life, and this tree shows up again in the Bible. In fact, it shows up close to the end of Scripture, in the description of heaven, in Revelation, at the end of the Book of Revelation, where the Tree of Life was is is there in the center of of Paradise, and um, so it's it's a tree of life, you know, and we could. We could call it the tree of eternal life. We could call it the tree of, of Jesus. We could call it the tree of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And So the life which we have in God is somehow symbolized and represented in a very tangible way in the garden right at the very beginning and God said, if you eat the fruit of this tree, you'll live forever. Did God ask Adam and Eve to uh, refrain from eating the fruit of the tree of life? No. No such words. Now, after they sinned, they were separated decisively from the tree of life by an angel which guarded the way to the tree of life so that they would not go back into the garden and eat the fruit of that tree and live forever, But live forever separated from God. And that story is in the next chapter in Genesis 3. That's the tree of life. But the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why, I always ask myself, would God plant a tree a nice tree, a beautiful tree, a fruit tree, in the middle of the garden, beside the tree of life, why would God plant that tree in the Garden of Eden and call it, of all things, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? In the New Testament, we read the words that those who are mature in Christ have their senses trained to discern between good and evil after all. So, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's, isn't that a good thing? And so, why would God put that tree in the garden, but then say, don't touch it? I puzzled over that for a long time, and I don't know today, and I've read books about this and heard, sermons and you know there lots of ways we can talk about these two trees but i just want to share this morning now a particular insight about the two trees which god brought to life for me and which has blessed me tree of the knowledge of good and evil so what is it why did he name it that to get at the uh, to get at an answer to that question let's think a little bit about human communities, human cultures um, and just uh, ourselves in general how many of you know a lot of people who think that their view of things is wrong I mean you know we just we don't do we? we don't think that way and it's not um, it's not that we're not often wrong. And, and we all would say that. Yeah, we're wrong, but we're right about that. You know, So we're still right. Um, it reminds me of Jewel. Jewel used to uh, spend a lot of time in the Ohio uh, prison for women. Uh, just every week, I think it was, or two weeks, she would go with... A group of, of friends and they would meet with ladies there and have fellowship women were coming to faith in Christ in that prison and it was like a little church in the prison which they were part of um, but she said you know one of the striking things about being in a prison was that there wasn't really you didn't meet anybody in that prison who really thought they should be there she said, "You know, like there was this woman who was in prison because she killed her husband. She'd shot him. and so uh, she or one of her friends was talking with this woman one day, and they said, you know they said, well, you know that she was saying this is this is what happened, but she said i didn't I didn't mean to kill my husband, but the story was that you had a gun in your hand and you pulled the trigger." and pointed it at him. Well, she said, you know, I did have a gun, and I did pull the trigger, but I didn't really mean to kill my husband. She said, the bullet glanced off the tabletop and then went up into his heart. I didn't really shoot at him. I just sort of, in the general direction, and then, but not to kill him, just to, you know, wound him a little bit, maybe, or something, but, you know, the bullet glanced off, and the bullet killed him. And when I heard that story, I thought, "Eh, it's just like us, isn't it? I mean, sort of like all of us. We, we're, we're right about just about everything. Even about things that we think we're wrong about. We're right in thinking that they're wrong. And, but we're right. We, so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what, what does it mean? Why did God put it there and give it that name? Now, one common explanation, of course, is that, well, it was a way for, for Adam and Eve to exercise their free choice. They were going to choose between what God said yes to and what God said no to. And they were made in the image of God, and so God gave them that freedom of choice, and they chose the evil rather than the good. And that's true. Uh, All of that's true, I think. But why did he call the tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And then, as I thought about human communities and human cultures and how we think, I realized that we are just prone as people constantly to be making moral judgments about people and situations. I mean, you read any newspaper in the world and what's there? What are the editorials about? Well, the editorials are all about what's right and what's wrong. Is this candidate the best or is that candidate? Is it, you know, a few years ago was it uh, you know, or Obama and who was running against Obama, or Trump and who was running against Trump. And we remember the names uh, quickly of those who won the elections, but right now I have to think a little bit to try to remember who they were running against. Um, I do remember as far back as Trump, I remember there was somebody named Hillary and he was running against Hillary, and but Trump won. And there's a lot of feelings in our culture, and still are, about, well, is it Trump or Hillary or what's what's going right or what's going wrong with Trump now? And, Newspapers are full of that. So it's, it's this, 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 this orientation to right, to justice, to doing the right thing, to choosing the right person. You know, I, I, I've thought about it sometimes, sitting in shopping centers or on the bus and overhearing conversations with people. And nine times out of ten, when you hear a conversation between people, it has something to do with right and wrong. Uh, you know, people are talking about, well, my ex was this way. And then, you know, a lot of words about what my ex was like. Uh, or my mom or my dad, they, you know, or my teacher or my employer. Uh, and judgments, thoughts about what's right and what's wrong. Do Christians have more definite opinions about what's right and what's wrong? than non-Christians? I don't think so. I can't tell any difference in that way. I mean, we all have those opinions about what's right and what's wrong, but the whole world, whether Christian or some other religion or atheist or whoever, agnostic, have all kinds of opinions about right and wrong. So this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what does it represent? Well, it's the tree of death. That's one thing for sure. You know, one is the tree of life. The other is the tree of death. This is the tree of the Holy Spirit, the tree of life. That other tree is the tree of, you could call it, I guess, the tree of Satan. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did God put that name? And then I began to realize that that tree represents the knowledge of good and evil apart from God. It represents my Judgment about what's good and evil. Apart from the word of God. Apart from God, my creator. Apart from the one who put all things in place for all of us. And so we could call one the tree of life. Yes, that's easier. That's eternal life. That's the tree of fellowship with God. And this other one is still sounds pretty good. It's my understanding of right and wrong, of what's right, what's good, what's best for me, but apart from God. So, sometimes I like to think of this second tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as the tree of right. I mean, that's a good name. It's the tree of right. But it's... My right. It's what I think is right. But what I think is right, not in fellowship with God. So we can, we can spend our lives advocating for justice, for righteousness, for what's good, for what's best. But if we're doing that, And not in fellowship with God. We are living under the tree of death. I think that's at least one of the meanings of this second tree. It's the tree of right. My right. What I think is right. It's human right standing over against the righteousness of God. Fellowship with God. The knowledge of God. It's sort of like God was saying to Adam and Eve, you can choose either me or you. Hmm. You can choose you because I made you in my image and if you want to be your own God, you can be your own God. But please, welcome to the tree of life. Now, the question, you know, this, this, I think, is one of the ABCs of the gospel of this life in Christ, which we have. So let's think about it a little bit more, and I like to try to illustrate it a bit, just here and there, and I'll, I'll go to Asia for this. I've been spending a lot of my time in Asia, and some of the great dynamic bodies of believers in the world today are in Asia. Uh, God is doing wonderful things there. Doing wonderful things here too, so it's not like he's absent here and present there. But it's just neat to see how God is working around the world. So there were these two uh, Chinese farmers, rice farmers, irrigated their rice paddies by pumping water by foot out of the river up into their rice paddies. As you know, probably. When in growing rice, part of the early in the year, the rice is covered with water. And uh, that keeps the weeds down and so on. So these beautiful rice paddies in places all over Asia, especially, in the way they grow rice. So they pumped water up onto their fields. They, and these two brothers, these uh, rice farmers, were believers. Below them, just down the slope toward the river, was another farmer, not a believer, not a follower of Jesus. He also had rice paddies. And one day he got the... Maybe it probably took longer than a day for him to think this out. But uh, one night, late at night, middle of the night sometime, he got up and just made a little breach in the dike between their rice, the the two brothers' rice paddies and his. So the water just flowed down onto his field, which very nice for him because then he didn't have to pump water the next day, and they lost theirs. Well the brothers were uh, not particularly pleased with what had happened. I mean, after all, this guy's a water thief. Now right now I understand from Butch that you've got more water than you want here, so maybe the water would be flowing the other way. Uh, Uh, if if we were living this story somehow in southern or central Delaware, but here they needed the water. So, but the brothers knew that they were believers, and they said, well, Jesus said, um, uh, you know, turn your other, uh, turn your cheek. If somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn the other one, so on. So we're, we're we're gonna, we'll we'll just fix the dike. And uh, so they fixed the dike, and, they pumped water back up onto their field. They were, they were right. They were following Jesus. Um, and, uh, but the neighbor liked the new system pretty well. So, a day or two later, you know, he just breached the dike again and stole their water. And the brothers were more frustrated. Um, I, you know, <laughs> this guy's a water thief. But Jesus said, you know, love your enemies and so on. So yeah, we'll fix the, we'll fix it. And we'll keep going. So he fixed the dike, pumped their water up, but they were getting tired of this. And, uh, and the neighbor, of course, continued to be quite well pleased with his new system for getting his water, and so he breached it again. And, uh, the brothers were quite frustrated, quite angry. What shall we do? So they went to their little church, a little assembly uh, near the river, and uh, they shared, I think it was a Wednesday night prayer gathering, or at least it was a prayer gathering, they shared with their little assembly uh, what had happened, what their neighbor was doing, and uh, they said, we know that we're supposed to love our enemies, we know that we're supposed to turn the other cheek, but what our neighbor is doing is just not Right. Of course, they were right. And the brothers and sisters listened to them. And then one of them said, Maybe, maybe you're asking the wrong question. Maybe instead of asking what's right, you should ask what's, what's life? Two trees. Because, you know, there are questions connected with both these trees. There are questions of life, and there are questions of right. And the brothers thought about that, and they hmm, maybe we are asking the wrong question. They went back home, and they began to pray about. They, they just said, well, let's ask God. Let's find out. What, what shall we do? How shall we respond to our neighbor? And they got an idea in fellowship with God. And it was quite different from any of the thoughts they'd had up until then. <laughs> this often happens when we get in fellowship with God. Uh, so they prayed, and the next morning they got real early, before about dawn or a little before, and they pumped their neighbor's fields full of water first because they knew he had to do that that day in order to keep the water level where it was supposed to be. And then they went home and they had a nice breakfast, And um, they probably ate a little more than usual. And then they went out and pumped their own fields full of water. And their neighbor stopped breaching the dike. And they did this on several occasions. They just, when they saw that their neighbor's field needed more water, they just got up early and pumped his field full of water. And then they did theirs. Hmm. Interesting. So few days later, they see their neighbor walking slowly up the hill. And uh, he says, I don't understand you guys. And they said, what do you mean you don't understand us? He said, I don't understand why you love me so much. You love me, don't you? Well, yes, we do love you he said he said i i i know that you love me because you know you know that i'm a water thief you know that very well i was stealing your water and then instead of doing something bad to me you did something very good in response and you just started pumping water for me as there's something strange and weird and different about this you love me don't you Many neighbor didn't say anything and they didn't say anything. And neither one was sure what to say. And then the neighbor said, does the fact that you love me so much have anything to do with the fact that you are Christians? And they smiled and they said, well, yeah, it does. We, the, the, the reason we respond to you this way is because, because of Jesus. Jesus is making us different people than we used to be. Jesus has saved us. Um, and the neighbor waited a little bit and he said, he said, would it be okay with you if I'd, he, oh, and the neighbor asked, you go to this little, little Christian meeting down by the river, don't you? And he said, yeah, that's, we do that. Neighbor said, would it be okay with you if I came along? They said, Sure, we'd love to have you come along to our meeting. And he did. And he became their brother in Christ. The difference between life under the tree of life and life under the tree of right. There's a a subtle but very important shift in distinction there between those two trees. And um, another story from Asia. This is from Korea. I just visited Korea this year. Amazed at what I saw there. There, there, It was a little group of people from Africa and Asia, Christian mission and church leaders who were uh, invited by a local church in Seoul, Korea, to to just come and, and uh, get acquainted with the church in Korea. And so we did that. And they took us around and visited different churches and told us what was going on. It was just a beautiful time of seeing what God was doing. I mean, Korea is a place, it's not uh, a majority Christian nation, but it's Buddhist. But the percentage of keen Christians in South Korea is somewhere probably around 25 or 30 percent of the population. I mean, there are just large churches everywhere. You fly into Seoul, Korea, and there are crosses on buildings, lit up all over the place. People are going to church and getting up at four or five o'clock every morning and praying together in big groups. And and some of the biggest congregations, in fact, the world's largest congregation is there, 500,000 people now, something like that. It was a kind of church that when it, a few years ago, when it wanted to plant new churches, the pastor would just, you know, say, you 25,000 go off there, and, you know, start a church over in that community where you all live. And so they'd start with another church of 25,000, you know, so lots of sort of big things happening in Korea. That's just, but that's just the biggest. So it's fun to tell those stories, but
0: the,
1: but there are lots of, lots of good things Bathed with a lot of prayer. So Anyway, a little story from Korea. So there's this Korean couple in one of the towns in Korea that had one son, just one. And one day, a bunch of street guys in their town, guys, sort of the rough characters who lived on the streets, took their son, beat him up. Robbed him. He didn't have much money, but they got whatever he had and then killed him. And so the whole community just incensed with what had happened. And they, they, and they caught the young guy who had actually murdered the one son of these parents. And the, the, the whole town was angry, as well they might have been, with this wanton murder of The only son of the parents. And so they crowded into the courthouse where they had the trial and it became absolutely clear, yes, this is the guy who killed their son. And the judge was just ready to pronounce the sentence. And before he did, he said, is there anybody in the courtroom that has anything you'd like to say yet before I pronounce sentence? And everybody knew that the sentence was gonna be death to the murderer. The parents, that the courthouse was, courtroom was packed. The, the parents had sat there through the whole trial without saying anything. The parents of the young man who, who was killed. But when the judge gave that invitation, the father stood and he said, Your Honor, my wife and I were talking and we, we're wondering whether you would be willing to release this young man who killed our son. And the judge stopped him right there. And he said, well, sir, I appreciate your benevolence, but no. What you're saying makes no sense. I mean, I could release this young man, but if I released him, he'd just go out and kill somebody else's son. I can't can't do that. It's not right. Of course, we all know that that's what laws are made for. But the father didn't sit down right away. He remained standing. And then he said, your honor, he said, what what we were really wondering was, would you release this young man if we would take him into our home and he would become our son? He said, we don't have a son anymore. We lost our son. So we'd like to have a son and we'd like to invite this young man to become our son. And then the courtroom was silent and you could have heard a pin drop and the judge didn't know what to say and nobody else said anything. And finally, after a long pause, the judge looked at the young murderer who was sitting at the front. He said, young man, he said, you heard what he said. He said, if I were to release you, would you go home with them and become their son and be obedient to them? And the young man stood to his feet and he said, Your Honor, he said, sure, I'd love to do that. He said, you know, I'm an orphan, never had a father and mother of my own. He said, if they'd be willing to take me, I'd love to go home with them. Sure, I'll be obedient to them. The judge paused a long time because he had to change his mind about something he was going to do. And then he said, okay. Let's try it. You can go with him." And he went home with that couple. He became their son. And he was obedient to them. And he also became their brother in Christ. Which of these two trees was that couple living under? Well, pretty clear, isn't it? It's the tree of life, God's life. Not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can be right about many things. What God is looking for is a people. He's creating a people who live under the tree of life. Of course, under the tree of life, we're not just sort of violating all of God's intentions for holiness and goodness and all the things we read in scripture not at all but what we are doing is living in the very presence in fellowship with the one who made us with the one who who who, who has who has given us the knowledge of right and wrong which is Not some arbitrary set of commands about do this or do that, but it's all just a description of what he has created and the way he has created us to live in greatest fulfillment. Tim was talking about that this morning. Greatest peace and joy and life under the tree of life. And the thing about us is, as believers, you know, the thing I begin to realize is that, I'm talking about myself. You know, I come to Jesus. Jesus is the tree of life. And I think this is the meaning of the cross of Calvary. What did God do when he barred Adam and Eve from going back to the tree of life? He just did an end run around their rebellion and then planted the tree of life once again in the center of human history, the cross of Calvary. And he said, this is the tree. Come. This is the tree of eternal life. So we come, and we say, yes. Yes, Lord. But then as we live, as I live, I speak for myself, as I live, it's so easy for me to sort of, just sort of slip back over under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because that's where most of the world is living. It's the tree of right. Yeah, this is right, this is wrong. And so much of that right and wrong has to do with what's, Good for me, I think. What's best for me, I think. We have chosen ourselves as our gods rather than the one who made us as our God. But the greatest testimony to a watching world and the greatest joy in our lives in Jesus Christ is just to when we find ourselves over under this tree, once again, you say, okay, Lord, coming back to the tree of life, what is it that you want? What's on your heart for me and for us? And God has wonderful, but very hard sometimes for us, but wonderful Ideas which we won't know unless we're here under the tree of life. Just walking in fellowship with God. I like to stay here. I find it easy not to stay here but to sort of be pulled over to the other tree. But I see again and again beginning right here at the beginning of scripture how God has made it so clear I want you to be in fellowship with me I just want you to walk with me I want you to know me I want to talk with you to love you to be loved by you and to love you and as you live under this tree you are going to see my glory and my ways in ways you never would have ever imagined over under that tree. Which was where all of us chose to be. Until we met Jesus. And he introduced us to his tree. The tree of life. And so I just want to share that with you this morning as something which is I keep coming back to in my life because So far, at least, I'm 72 now. So far, at least, I haven't gotten to a point where I don't need to be reminded once again of the two two trees. God bless you as you just walk it out. But if you're not under the tree of life this morning, welcome. It's there for all of us. God bless you.
0: Life is full of choices. You know, there's choices that we make every day. There's choices that you're making right now what you're going to do when we're done today, where you're going to eat, what you're going to do. Um, you know, and um, what I just kept hearing over and over as you were speaking was just choose life, choose life, choose life. Um, one of the things, big things that's been on my heart for quite a few, or quite a while now, has been honor. And, um, you know, um, we're all made in the image of God, and we're all different. Tim actually wrote that up on his Sunday school board, and he circled it twice at the end of the message um, or end of the teaching. Um, um, he was, what's that? Yeah, he he was asked to circle it one more time, and. Um, you know, we're all different. We're we're none made. God made us all different, and we're all called to go and do what He's called us to do. And so, um, one of the choices we have in life is to honor where each of us are, and to to speak life into each of us. And yeah, this person might see this differently or that differently. But what's what's really going on? Does does it really matter? There's some things that matter, and there's other things that really don't matter. And so. Um, you know I don't want people to be like me. I want you to be like you and I want to be like me and so I think we need to just um, I, that's just' been something really big on my heart is just to honor one another well, you know um, just just because as we walk close together in fellowship with one another we're we're in, in essence we're handing our heart to someone else and we're entrusting our heart and as you get to know them more and more you hand more of yourself over as you earn their trust and and um and so then when things happen good or bad it affects you because you're you're part of that and that's the way that god's family is designed that's the way he's designed us we're all together and um so that word of choosing life just you know i just kept hearing it over and over in my head as you were speaking you know Choose life, choose life, choose life. So um, if you guys are all stand and the ministry team would come up, we'll close out. Um, if this message, um, was the Holy Spirit was pulling at you or bringing things up in your mind or, and you want prayer, or if it's even something completely unrelated to the message and you just want prayer, please come up here and let us pray with you and agree with you where you're at. So Father, I just ask that you would let that word sink deep into our spirits to choose life. I said you would brand that word on our hearts, choose life. Know that as we make choices and we go throughout our days that we would, we would stop and we would ask you, Father, what do you think about this? And We would reflect, and we wouldn't be hasty on our decisions. That we would consider um, constantly. We would consider people's hearts and where they are, and um, and just just speak life into them. And I just bless this congregation today, Father. I ask that that the things they put their hands to would prosper. I ask that you would bless them. I ask you would bless them financially. I ask you bless them physically. That that. There would be no sickness in this body. I just speak healing over everyone that's in this room. Lord, that you would heal our bodies. And I also ask you would heal our minds, Father. Lord, that you would heal the hurts and the pains. and Lord, that you would bring great um, reconciliation and restoration to us. And that we would all walk in the fullness of what you came and you died for, Jesus. And just thank you for what you're doing, Father, and just continue to go deeper in us and draw us deeper and deeper in love with you and in love with one another. Just thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.